This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com slash start. Hello and welcome to episode 148 of Inside Acting. It's not very good, is it? My name's Trevor uh, Algott. It's pretty good. I was I was gonna go with it. I mean, you sounded like you were Boris from Rocky and Bullwinkle, but I wasn't complaining. Okay, right on, right on. <laughs> and I'm AJ Meyer. And you're listening to Inside Acting, and on this podcast, who do we not interview? Actors, directors, filmmakers, agents, managers. Casting directors, producers, um, personal fitness and finance gurus, voiceover artists, anybody at all it, that is anyhow involved in the, that's, I'm already screwing this up, that is somehow involved with the entertainment industry. And we package those interviews up into this show and, <laughs> and just kind of yabber on each side of it and then stick it out there on the uh, worldwide intertubes for your listening pleasure. Hey man, we gotta mix it up. Even if it means messing it up, we gotta mix it up. Oh, that is such a good motto. Mix it up, even if it means messing it up. Yeah. That trade. Well, I, can we? I don't know. Let's, let's do it. The process. <laughs> let's let's bring a patent lawyer onto the. Uh, there you go. <laughs> let's defense dad onto the podcast. I love it. Um, and uh, as you can tell by our yabbering, we are just two dudes with a podcast. So we started this thing here because we were looking for the answers and. Uh, looking for English teachers, apparently. Uh, Not because we have the answers or can speak well English. You can find out all the ways to get in touch with the podcast and lend your two cents or your bad English at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And on this episode, episode 148 of Inside Acting, we have AJ's chat with uh sheila guthrie and this is part one of two and uh i actually haven't gotten a chance to listen to it yet but aj gave me a quick overview and it sounds like some really priceless stuff so make sure y'all stick around for that Hey, Trevi friend. Uh, um, hey, friend. AJ friend. Oh, it doesn't sound as good with no. my name. No, it doesn't. No, I guess I can't be anyone's friend. No, wah, wah. From birth, your parents screwed you with the name. <laughs> yep. 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 That's Tell tragic. Me about it. Tragic. Two in a row, too, because I'm a junior. Oh. Oh. They, they couldn't even learn their lesson. Why didn't me. they just name you, we hate you? We hate you. Uh, <laughs> I, that's the second time we've referenced that show, and no I one know. knows what we're talking about. I know. Roger. Uh, should we? Should we tell them? Should we? We should. It was the Val Kilmer show. It was uh, Citizen Twain, which was actually awesome. I really enjoyed that show, and Val Kilmer was a, a nice dude, and I thought just killed it in that show, and he wrote it as well. And uh, in that section of the show, he's talking about uh, Rudyard Kipling. And I guess Mark Twain had a thing with Rudyard Kipling, and 
<laughs> just said, Rudyard. What kind of a name is Rudyard? Why didn't they just name him We Hate You? <laughs> <laughs> so oh, great. man. Yeah. So what's so, new in your world, man? Uh, what is new? Can I just say one thing? You can. Putting give you permission. Just one. Only one. Just one. Putting yourself on tape is hard. Mmm, <laughs> I smell a story. It's not really a story. It's just it's just a challenging thing. And I think that there's going to be a a surge of services, both information based and otherwise, that support actors in making this happen. There are already studios. It's funny because I mentioned something about putting myself on tape backstage when I was in my dressing room and half the guys piped up and they were like, oh, you should just go to this place. And they named like two or three different places in New York where you can go and there's a studio literally set up. I don't know if it's just the space or if it's the space and the equipment or what, like, I don't know if there's different price points depending on what you need, but you can basically rent a room that's just a space, like a box Hmm. for like... I don't know. They said like six bucks for, you know, 15 or 30 minutes or something well, like that's pretty that, good. which is fantastic. And maybe it is just bare bones and that's why it's so cheap, but it's becoming such a thing. And I say that like, it's a bad thing. It's becoming so prevalent in the industry these days that first of all, there's not a lot of information about it other than just like Googling like tips for putting yourself on tape or, or something mm-hmm, like that. Yeah. Like, there's no central place to go where there's just a lot of really great information on that. That's the first thing I thought of. And then the other thing I thought of is that even if that existed, there wouldn't be someone who like you wouldn't you'd still have to connect that information with what the video actually looked like. In other, yeah. in other words, if I read like the top ten tips on how to make your you know video look great, and then I went and shot the video and went, I think I hit all ten, but mm-hmm. your eye doesn't necessarily link up the information with what it is that you're seeing, which yeah. is why I think on previous episodes I've even said you know get somebody to direct it for you so you yeah. have a second set of eyes. Uh, or, or whoever you're reading with, if you really trust them, it's just such a challenge. Like, if it's not a monologue, you have to have another human helping you out. They hopefully are the are the correct gender for the the character that you're reading opposite of. Hopefully, they know what they're doing. They're you know a decent actor and can read well opposite you. And and then there's you know the camera itself, making sure that the scene is well lit making sure that you look good, making sure that you have like the space in which to do it. And that behind you is a, a, a blank, you know, like a sheet that you hung up or whatever. There's all these little things that, that go into it. I'm talking about this because I shot a three minute scene for one of these diversity showcases that I mentioned in a previous episode. Yeah. And it has taken hours of, production and I, I i feel like if i feel like if i had a better tripod and and i, I just bought a new glyph actually for for my iphone uh, and and if i had you know some some china balls i know right before i left la actually ben bought a, a china ball and i thought 
what a smart purchase yeah, as an smart actor, actor purchase just, yeah to, to just buy you know just to have that for when i go to put myself on tape but a china ball tripod glyph the phone itself that you're using to shoot it with or or the dslr or whatever it is that you're or camera plus in a way, I'm almost wishing I had those, um, what are those things called? Those light stands that photographers use to sure, hang yeah. you know, the sheet in the background so they didn't have to tack it yeah. literally with tacks to the wall of this apartment that we're subletting. It's just, yeah. there's a lot you, that goes into it. And you then know? you got to think about sound. <laughs> it's like, you, you may look great, but like, it's going to sound like, you know, a shitty camera microphone recorded it so it's like oh well should i invest in having a little lapel mic thing and then how much time do you invest in post-production syncing up the sound and yeah it becomes a whole thing doesn't it yeah well the 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 onboard microphone for the iphone specifically is not bad it's actually pretty good uh and i I, you know we i've used it to record we've talked about this on the podcast i've used to record some stuff from the for the for the podcast before but they do make shotgun mics that you can connect to your phone. I think Ben actually uh, invested in one of those as well. They have these little shotgun mics where you can hook them up to the uh, the audio input on the phone and, and sort of point them at yourself so mm-hmm. that you get a, a slightly better sound. Just all those things that we just mentioned go into you know making it look good and sound good and 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 all of that. And then hopefully <laughs> your performance <laughs> is up to snuff. But yeah. It's just there's just a lot that goes into it, and I, I the reason I wanted to bring it up on the podcast, other than just you know that that was part a big part of my week, is because I realized there's there's not. I was thinking about it, and I realized there's not this like centralized location, if you will, for information about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that um, uh, breakdown services here in LA they're starting this thing called EcoCast, and I, I'm sure there's a blog or something around what they're doing. Cause they're really making a push for that, but it's, I, I just don't know that. Hmm. I mean, six bucks an hour for that stu- or six bucks for 15 minutes or a half hour. It doesn't sound like they're going to be turning a huge profit. If as valuable as it is. And then do you want to, you know, some actors are auditioning, you know, half a dozen times a week. And if you're shelling out six bucks a time for even, you know, two of those, over the course of a couple months, it kind of, kind of, it adds up. I mean, I guess it's just a business expense, but hmm, maybe it's just another thing to kind of throw in the mix there. Yeah, I'll, I will, I'll follow up with the guys in the dressing room and and ask them what it was they were talking about, so that I can not only talk about it on the podcast, but also Google it or or look up their website or what have you to to really get the um, the the skinny on it. Sure. So you so but, you put, you put yourself on audition for this diversity showcase <coughs> this week. Or, uh-huh. I'm sorry, you put yourself on audition. You put yourself on tape. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Cool. And you know, it, it eventually turned out good, but it wasn't without its uh, you know hiccups and and uh, took a, a couple of a couple of tries. Yeah. And is this the kind of thing that you that you think you'll get better at the more you do it? Is it just kind of awkward because you're still kind of learning the ropes of putting yourself on tape in a in your apartment? I I think it's a little of both. I think that I have, from getting feedback from my manager on previous tapes that I've sent her, I've, I've gotten better at certain aspects of it. Like, I have really deep-set 
eyes, for instance, so I actually do need to put makeup on. I need to wear makeup like under my eyes, wow. which is something that I just don't think of. I don't wear makeup on a daily basis, so it's just not a thing that I think of. So I go to shoot something, and I'm like, oh, yes, I look like myself in that. And then I send it to her, and she's like, I can't even see your eyes. I'm like, oh, I didn't notice that. I, You're right. I have really deep set eyes. So even something like that, it's just not something that I would typically think of. So because so I've gotten better at, at you know certain things like that to make it to make myself look better make the make the video itself look better but uh, in terms of the space like for instance you know we're 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 subletting apartments here in in New York so thankfully we're we're we've been in this one for a while and we're going to be in, in it for a while longer but you know if I if we move again there's a whole other space to kind of figure out mm-hmm. where to shoot things and yeah the last one i did i i shot at a friend's house because he just had a a better setup for it but i can't always count on someone you know what i mean it's just the yeah yeah and you've, you've done a few of these now um so it does seem like it's becoming more prevalent and i feel like it's only going to increase in frequency as as people maybe i don't know as it just becomes more mainstream because when you think about you know actors driving all the way across the city or taking public transportation all the way across the city and and then waiting and and all the kind of manpower that goes into that um there really is something to be said for meeting somebody in person and getting their vibe in person and whatnot i I think that you lose a lot when you're sending in uh, a taped audition but you know it's way more efficient to just yeah. send a file off. I mean, maybe not for the actor, but uh, at, le- at least in terms of production time and whatnot. And I don't know. You know, there's, there's, there's a give and take. I wonder what our listeners think about this. I would love to. I would love to know. I, you know, the, the, what you just brought up too is really interesting in terms of the uh, meeting someone in person yeah. aspect, like really getting to know someone, getting to know their personality. And I, I can see an argument from the casting side of things it's similar to say a pre-read or maybe they can use it for a Mm pre-read because it's just you and the casting director or just you and the casting associate and then they might call you back to you know do it again for the producers or 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 something like that and then hopefully at that point the producers or the casting people can can get to know you I hear what you're saying too, because it's it's really there's really no way to make an impression about who you be as a as a human mm. when you're not reading someone else's lines. Who you be, yo? Who you be? Who you be? Uh, as a person, when you're yeah. not reading someone else's lines. Yeah, yeah, totally. We talked about that on the last episode when uh, we talked about you know um, when I went in for the Mad Men thing and they the first question out of their mouths was where are you from, and it was just kind of like I, I think I said that I even realize that they were just asking that to kind of get a feel for what kind of person i was or mm-hmm. you know what kind of person i am in a situation like this just just to get me talking rather than dive right into the scene and that's so huge you know the meeting you had recently for that for that film you know you said it was just lunch really and that's yeah uh, you know just connecting with somebody on a person-to-person level <laughs> you can get you can find out a lot i think or you rather you can intuit a lot i think about what kind of artist they are I actually thought about you because one of the other, one of the actors in our show went in for uh, what they call a general, which is just a, a meeting with 
casting at a at a, a studio or a network or something like that and that was what they talked about they asked him where he was from <laughs> so you know he talked about his hometown and he talked about the subway he was laughing about it afterwards actually he was like well they know how i feel about my hometown and the subway and right. I, I don't know if that means that they're gonna cast me in anything yeah. but. but that that says that's that right there is so it's just one of those things where it's like it's such a good reminder to practice generosity and practice um you know being more interested in the other person than they are in you Mm, and asking mm -hmm. questions and just kind of, you know, really just constantly polishing those people skills because it's one of those things that, you know, Brian Vermeer says it over and over in his interview. This is a relationship business and people want to work with people that they like, not necessarily always the best actor. I really think that a lot of it has to do with just the kind of person you are mm -hmm. and, and how well you're able to communicate that, uh, especially in those early, early meetings. Mm. So uh, get to work, y'all. We've got four kind of listener things we wanted to just take some time to respond to, and I'm I'm kind of kind of vote to just to get two in, so this episode isn't three hours long. Rock and roll. Um, but the first item, I think, is, is pretty huge. Our patron of the week from last week, George Savage, actually wrote in and uh, asked uh, us, and I thought it'd be valuable for our listener, too, where the best place is to get Heather's tickets. <laughs> I love this. This is so sweet. Um, <clears throat> yeah, George, uh, the only reason I didn't respond via email, though I probably will anyway, is because you know we were going to talk about it on the on the cast. And on the cast so that other people can hear this as well uh for the time being i don't know how much longer this is going to last in fact i think it might be ending here in the next few weeks maybe uh as early as the beginning of july but for the time being there's actually a friends and family discount code that can be used at what's called broadwayoffers.com broadwayoffers.com is like a third party website thing that um allows you to uh put in these codes that then allow you to access discount tickets for specific performances it, i'm not i'm not making it sound very easy but it, it is really easy you just go to the website and you put in uh the following code which is h t p r o c o Three nine, uh, and that of course will be on our website. But but when you do that, what happens is it takes you directly to these discounted tickets for Heather's specifically. And I don't know what the discount is now that we're running. When we were in previews, it was for thirty nine dollar tickets. So I don't I don't know what the discount is now. But that's a great place to start. Awesome to to, to grab tickets for the show. Otherwise, you can just go to either our website, which is Heather's, I think it's heathersthemusical.com, or to the website of the theater, which is New World Stages, and I think that's just newworldstages.com. You know, there'll be whatever full price tickets, I guess, there. There aren't a whole lot of other places where you can access discounts to the show unless you're like a student or 
you actually go to the theater because every show in New York does uh, rush tickets, which are not student rush tickets. They basically it basically means that you go and you sit outside of the theater waiting for it to open, and you become you be one of the first you know ten people or whatever to buy tickets for that particular evening's performance, and that gets you um, a pretty good discount. Um, I've done that once so far since being here, but it is a, it is a great option. uh, And I will definitely be doing it more often moving forward. I feel like he said the best way. And I just answered all of the ways. (laughs) Anyway. So so all that info is on our, uh, on our website. Um, So check it out. If you're in New York, go see AJ in Heather's. Hell yeah. So we also got an email from, um, Mike, uh, who has written in, in the past. And, um, a lot of the questions that, um, or things that he's brought up is have been around, um, sexuality in the industry and the various forms of, um, really kind of like discrimination, even though that's, that, that might be a little bit of a harsh word, but sometimes, you know, the, the kind of the preconceived notions that people have about sexuality in the industry and how that relates to on-screen archetypes and on-stage archetypes and things like that. And uh, I wanted to share, or we wanted to share Mike's email because he brings up something that I think is really, really powerful. I'm just going to kind of grab snippets here from his email, but he says, uh, he just finished listening to the Drea Weber interview, one of my absolute favorites. I worked out with Drea this morning on P90X3. Uh, he said in the first uh, part... I was like, wait, really? Like <laughs> like at her house or something? I know. And God, I, I, wish, I have such about. a crush on that woman. But um, <laughs> He says that uh, we talked about sexuality a bit, and it reminded him of when he sent in questions about it. And since having a dialogue with us about it, because we've exchanged uh, a few emails over the months, he said he realized that he wasn't so much worried about getting stuck playing gay characters as much as he was getting stuck playing a stereotype. And uh, wow, what a powerful, powerful distinction. He says he realizes that as long as the characters are interesting, then he'd be happy to play gay characters for the rest of his life. He takes it a step further. He's been doing a lot of writing, and he's actually incorporating this kind of philosophy into his writing and creating his own content, which we love, love, love. And then he kind of sums it up by saying he thinks basically what he's trying to say is that gay actors have the power to choose how their sexuality defines their careers. They can stay in the closet like so many in Hollywood do, or they can embrace it and put it to work for them. And he finishes by saying he wants to be part of a shift in thought that, quote-unquote, playing gay is no longer a phrase because it's all about the character and not their sexuality. And, Mike, God bless you, man. That is such a massive like paradigm shift in the way that the world perceives this stuff. And I think people like you are going to be part of just the sea change um, in the way that this, this is portrayed in our culture. Because it has nothing... Like, who, who cares? As long as your character is interesting, bam, that's all that anybody wants anyways. They want a, a, a compelling story that they can learn from. And if... Mm. if if the role, if the job of a storyteller is to transmit culture and to to kind of put a thesis statement about human nature to work and i really think that's what storytelling is then what more powerful way to have an impact in the world than to put a thesis statement like this to work 
and tell a story about the way people respond to this. I mean, that's where we learn how to, how to be with other people is by watching plays, watching actors, watching, you know, these beautiful scripts that are being written, watching television. We learn how to be in the world based on this stuff. And so we have a massive responsibility, I think, to, to, to be responsible storytellers. And man, this is like, this is like, you get the gold for this, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, and it, it's, it's something that we've said on the podcast before and something that people in any, any sort of human rights activist or, or someone interested in human rights period will say <clears throat> time and time again, which is just that any uh, minority or particular group or particular uh, gender, because women have had to deal with this as well, or particular sexuality or whatever, if they just play a person in, say, a movie or a play or what, ha- what have you, and that person has an interesting story and just happens to be black, just happens to be gay, just happens to be whatever, it just... It, that can only support and move forward the dialogue in 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 this country specifically yeah. because the, it humanizes a very small portion of our society tends to demonize like the opposite yeah. of human the opposite of humanize yeah, and it yeah. <clears throat> it it doesn't make any sense to people like you or I Trev or potentially our, you, you know all of our listeners but it's 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 scary how often we hear of the prejudice the racism stereotyping that 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 occurs to have someone who is yes gay but just playing an interesting character to just portray them as uh you know a human being a person i think can only lead to potentially someone like that who would otherwise be prejudiced potentially lead them to identify with them as a human being as opposed mm-hmm. to oh that person is the other and i need to be afraid yes oh god man <clears throat> al gore has a great book that he wrote called uh the assault on reason mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's largely about politics but but on a more kind of meta level it's about fear and the culture of fear and if fear you know fear is a great acronym for um Somebody told me this false expectations appearing real mm, or mm-hmm. false experiences appearing real or something along those lines. And I, I, whenever I see fear at work and, and holding somebody back myself included, like all the time, I, I just, I'm like, all right, there's something to attack. There's something to put a lot of uh, pressure on to just kind of, you know, shine the light and just dispel it because, because fear is just a made up thing. Fear doesn't, fear is just it's praying for what you don't want, you know? (laughs) Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for continuing this dialogue. You have no idea. Trevor and I talk about this off the air too. It means so much to us to have this type of dialogue occurring with our listeners and give us the opportunity to talk about this kind of stuff, sort of spread this message, if you will, to, to the rest of our listeners. Not that it's, not that we're standing on a soapbox and that it necessarily is a message it's just that we get an opportunity to talk about something that that others might avoid potentially out of fear to bring it full circle yeah there it is (laughs) you know so thank you 
Yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Awesome. All right. Well, so we talked a ton. So we get to uh, shelve temporarily uh, the other two items that we were going to cover, which was uh, another great email that we wanted to kind of celebrate, um, as well as a, as a voicemail from a listener. So um, we've been getting a lot of communication to the show lately, and we are so grateful and so excited to respond to all of these things on the air. Um, so sit tight. <clears throat> it's all coming. Get ready. Get ready. It's coming. All right, so um, shall we? We shall, my friend. Uh, so this is uh, part one of my chat with uh, casting director Sheila Guthrie. Uh, she's actually bi-coastal. She, I mean, she casts stuff all over the place. Trevor said she was a New York casting director. She's based in L.A. and has been for the majority of her career. That said, she's also cast people out of uh, as far off a place as Australia. So she's worked kind of everywhere, and she's had um, an, an amazing storied career. And uh, this interview is one of my favorites. So supportive in terms of getting into the mind of not necessarily this casting director, but getting into the mind of... of let me say this, actors who worry about what mm-hmm. casting directors mm-hmm. think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you'll understand a little bit more uh, as the interview goes on, but uh, enjoy. This is AJ, and I am sitting here with a good friend and soon-to-be friend of the podcast, Sheila Guthrie, who is a casting director currently working on uh, Disney's Live and Maddie, as well as The X's. If you have an opportunity to um, Google her or look her up on IMDb, you will see the um, years of experience in uh, casting departments uh, across the industry. And uh, she can probably tell you more about her own resume, but um, we're really excited to have her on the podcast. Thank you so, so much. You're so, so welcome. <laughs> um, so we, we typically like to hear how people kind of got their start in, in the industry, especially since there's so many different stories and everybody has a different story. So, yeah. how, I, you know, we, you and I have talked before a little bit about, you know, where you started and where you landed and 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 all of that but um i'm curious from your point of view like how you feel like you got a start in specifically in casting since that's where you are now one thing led to another but my one thing led to another was um actually i answered an ad in the bruin for an assistant to a manager and uh so i went to ucla (laughs) and that's why i had it in my hand and i was looking for my first opportunity outside of college um i got so a, a, a manager that was established established outside of college actually put an ad in in the bruin, the bruin. looking for an assistant that's actually really smart isn't it knowing i mean because that's one of the things that we have in common is that we're both bruins yeah and the bruin for those of you who did not go to ucla is the sort of daily rag if you will at at the college and it, it, you know it's like a newspaper but it, but it's a, our college newspaper yeah. that's that's really smart I, I i don't i don't think i ever looked at like the classifieds so to speak i'm doing air quotes right. the classifieds in the bruin no I, I, in fact I, I don't remember picking it up all the time to actually read it 
because as a theater major, you're in that bubble. Sure. Like, what, what, what do I care about what's happening in the rest of the university? So I answered the ad, and it was for um, a management company, and they handled... Uh, at that time, a lot of um, a lot oh, of comedians and impressionists and people who did telethons in Vegas uh. and all of that, and it was so it was really interesting. And I was the receptionist, and it was just learning about how to work in an office because that's something that you need to have a, a sense of is just literally how do you handle the phones? How do you handle Taking down information for someone. How do you handle, um, uh, you, you know, multitasking? You have to learn that somewhere. So, um, and, and it was my first experience just, just, just learning that part, mm-hmm. and then the content part, the actual function of the office, what they did, um, the talent, how they were involved with the talent. Mm-hmm. That that was also something my eyes and ears were open to. But I'd always been interested in casting because. Um, TV Guide used to list the cast list, guest cast list for all the shows in TV Guide publication. And oh, I was fascinated great. by um, one actor uh, on one show one week and then playing, you know, the dog catcher and then the pharmacist on another episode of the next show, week. And yeah. I started to really, uh, my focus was on, on recognizing, recognizing the cast, recognizing who and range of what they did and yeah. familiarity and all of that so it was kind of a it had already started just from watching TV when I was a kid but when that company disbanded um, someone who was a friend of uh, one of the managers I worked for then actually um, hooked me up with the casting director it was something that I, I have to say when, when you say I, I want to be in casting um, I never actually said that. I just knew I had an interest in the work and in noticing um, what 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 fulfilled the storytelling in terms of hiring this particular kind of uh, actor or this particular talent as opposed to someone else. Um, because I don't think you. It's hard to say. I, I you know I want to be a casting director. There's so much more to it. Hmm. There is so there's so much to know that it's not simply, oh, you know who'd be good? That's usually what takes you into it. Maybe, maybe it's like that with a lot of things. Um, well, I was going to say, writing, it sounds like acting. It, I mean, it, it really does. And, and yeah, sure, writing or directing, like any, any of the paths in, in right. the entertainment industry, you're like, one day wake up, if, if you were to one day wake up and say, I want to be an actor, right. there's so much to actually, to actually doing that. So yeah. I'm curious, uh, as we move forward in your sort of journey, what was your focus or major at, at UCLA? It was a theater major. But I mean, did you were you studying like acting? Were you studying yes. writing? Were you studying? Yeah, I went. I went in because I was a um, I was a kid who did some commercials. Um, I was studying dance. I actually thought I would be a choreographer. The, the thing was at that time, it was it, there wasn't a lot of opportunity if if I wanted to stay planted in Los Angeles where my family was to actually work full time in terms of choreography there wasn't as much music video there wasn't as much it was touring productions there there really wasn't a unless you were willing to travel unless you were willing to gypsy and I realized you know what I'm pretty sure I'd like to stay put you know Mm. for family reasons and also not so sure that's my path so um, so UCLA was great because it gave me the opportunity to change my mind 
<laughs> I didn't. I, I. It really was an important step in in getting information about really. Do you want to take this seriously, competitively? Do you really want to do this for the other parts? There's so much more there to it, part. So I, I'm actually curious if it was frustration or something else. What sort of led to? The responding to the ad in the Bruin, where where were you? I'm guess my question is right. where were you mentally in your journey? Was it something right. that you just were looking for something outside of school? Were you just looking to learn? Were you excited about that opportunity? Was it a step away from like where were you mentally? Right, when right. You went I, to- I think what it was, it was it sounded like I needed a self supporting situation, and it was working with talent. I had enough of an understanding of, you know, being an artist and to work, to figure out, to, to be interested in how to work with that and around it, to support the best and so on, to figure out how you navigate the, um, the professional aspects of it, but still protect the, the part that needs room to breathe, hmm. you know, how you really um, nurture yet get a result. It's a, it, it's very hard because it's very result oriented. What we do ultimately is sure. very result oriented. Certain projects can be more process oriented than others. Certain directors can be more process oriented than others. Certain um, projects afford you more time to play with things. But a lot of times, for episodic, for instance, for certain um, certain projects, it, it's simply coming in more with what you have uh, kind of kind of created. And it either is going to work for someone and they're going to be real willing to look at it. Okay, this is what you bring to it. Instead of working with you, although there might be adjustments you can take and all of that, there has to be a certain amount of you're far enough along in certain projects with certain kinds of forms um, that we could hire you tomorrow. That's a perfect segue because I kind of derailed you earlier you were just getting into how you know one thing led to another and you started getting into into casting so so from the management office that's when (laughs) Mm -hmm. a friend of one of the managers i said i think i have an interest in this i didn't say i want to be this i said i think i have an interest in this i need to find out about it (laughs) sure that's that's where i started my uh first official job as an assistant was to a gentleman named stephen kolzak who i had met through um, ultimately, uh, a man named Dennis Cornell, who was casting and uh, working at downtown at the Music Center, and he was the original casting director for Cheers and oh, wow. a lot of other projects. So smart, great taste, really, really uh, a challenge to work for because he was very, very um, gifted, and so I learned the mechanics. I learned not settling. I learned appreciation. I learned all of that through his office at a very busy time, you know. So I worked on Cheers. That was my first. When wow. I was a puppy. Wow. <laughs> and, what, a, uh, what a great it was. experience, it was, though, it was a really, I'm really thinking strong about that. I'm thinking about that cast, mm-hmm. and you talked about the personality of this, uh, what was his name, Dennis? Stephen Colzak. And Dennis Cornell was who introduced me to him. Oh, got it. So yeah. I'm thinking of the the, the the way you described his Stephen's personality. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about multiple franchises actually coming out. Of, you know, if totally. you think about Frasier, which came because of you know just the the Absolutely. sort of snowball of that of that particular show. I mean, Absolutely. Woody Harrelson, like you. 
you're talking about people's careers being being launched and, and to see where they are Absolutely. now and what they've done since then. And the that's quick crazy. question also is from working with Stephen for a couple of years, um, then I worked with Amy Lieberman down at the Mark Taper, and she was really important Amy. also in shaping um, my sensibility, and then worked with Jeff Greenberg for nine years, I think. So, and during that time was when the office was working on Wings, Frasier, mm-hmm. um, with um, some of the same creatives yeah. who had, who their downline was, they had come on to Cheers during some portion of time when yeah. we were working on it. Wow, and, that, so, and, that, and then you're getting into yeah. Tony Shalhoub and oh, yeah. like, oh my goodness. Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Were you an assistant that whole time, or did yes. you move up into? Because I know Here's, there's like there's this weird structure that I think is sort of mysterious to, to actors who haven't at least interned in a casting office or something like that. But yes. there's like assistants, associates, the actual casting directors, yes. and over the years, because of the amount of work and the speed at which the business has moved, the work keeps moving down the chain, so to speak. Absolutely, it it always has on some level. Because it really be the responsibilities in each office are determined by the casting director. So and who they have working with them. You might have someone working as an assistant who has just a gift and an eye, and you take advantage of it. So they absolutely have the opportunity to be more creative. I think that's always welcome. It's just a matter of how fast everything moves and being able to manage the 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 volume. I mean, you need every eyeball you you can welcome, you know, uh, sure. that you trust and that understands the your sensibility or the project or what you're looking for. So, um, so it functions differently in each office. The extent to which an assistant might have a, a good deal of input and and a little more responsibility, or might be actually in more training position, uh, and then an associate, um, whether an associate is also handling sessions, all of that depends on each office, and probably in each office depends on each project. There, there's a reason why it doesn't seem stamped as a very uniform position, because mm-hmm. different offices really do manage their, their um, projects differently depending. Yeah. Depending. Yeah, and and we and I knew that we were going to get to this at some point. I, I didn't know that we'd segue into it so early, but because I do want to talk about how you eventually, you know, opened up your own office, which I know there's a lot that happened in between there. But since we're here, um, you know, we we chatted a little bit about this last night, and you were saying that the word, you know, it or the words it depends um, right. <clears throat> are are so prevalent in. This particular industry, but also in what in what you do or what or casting offices, and it's because of the fact of what you just said that every office is run differently, and it is an office. It's like its own self-contained business, right. and it runs the way that it runs. Right. So, right. what the associate, what the assistant, what the casting director does in that particular office depends on how that office runs. Right. As right. well as and who they're working with. You know, exactly, and, and, and as well as their taste and what they want and what they're looking for exactly. in terms of, you know, do they, you know, so many actors, like, do you like getting postcards? Do you like, right. you know, right. me sending you emails? Right. Do you like me updating you? Do you like getting links? And right. some people love it and some people hate it. And right. it, it, it can drive an actor batty. But one of the things right. that we tend to recommend on the podcast is just find out what that particular casting office does like, if you can. 
And that is invaluable because I think going to workshops, going to showcases, having uh, a round of auditions in particular offices, the value is I have a sense of what this particular office and this particular project, what that is, you know, what they might like, what they prefer, what how they respond, what their personality is, what their the way they do their work, and that's that's going to change. You know, casting is an adaptive art. Basically, I think it's the art of being adaptive. You you we tend to sometimes get a little compartmentalized. You know, uh, half hour feature if it's multicam, single camera. Uh, we we tend to sometimes. Be if you if this is the project you last worked on, then this you'll have a a knack for, you know, the mm. next half hour. It's actually very adaptive art. You you really are working with different personalities. Uh, not only the actors, your directors, your line producers, your producers, your creators, your circumstances. Um, all of it is is ever changing, which keeps it ever interesting. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're ever adapting to what someone's taste might be. It's a matter of understanding it. You don't always have to be in agreement. You don't always have to share it. But you do need to understand who it is you're working with. And and your job is to take that into consideration and then some. And then add your own if that relationship allows for it. If you think you know, I know it's on the page this way, but how about if it was a woman? on the page as a man but what you know mm-hmm. what if it's a woman what if it's what if it's what if it's twins there's all kinds of room for your own perhaps ideas about about something but you want to also fulfill the storytelling you also want to tell the story in the way you want to honor that so it's about adapting and being very discerning it's the gift of discernment in a way mm-hmm. or the ability to learn that discernment to find out when it's best to um, okay, we've been zagging here. Now we have to zig. <laughs> uh-huh. We've been down a road where we've seen, we've pretty much seen versions of maybe what's on the page. That's true. Also, it rolls like yeah. dominoes. If if someone gets cast, the minute there is someone in place, it may change the dynamics for another role. It may mean that it's, it's in terms of chemistry and all that. It may sure. mean that it now defines another role, which defines another role, which defines another role. So as pieces are put into place, it's continually reshaping yeah. your thinking. It's like mental, being mentally limber. You're just sure. always paying attention. You're constantly paying attention. It's really interesting to hear you talk about casting in this way because I'm listening to you and you know you were using sort of the third person you. Yeah. And because you were using that language, I'm sitting here going, yeah, this actually all applies, a lot of it applies to acting as well in terms of being mentally liberated, Absolutely. being adaptive, and, and, and learning uh, discernment, yeah. as, you, as you put it. And, and even to a point, I, I mean, I don't think that we have the same flexibility or input, but even to a point of bringing our ideas. Yeah. Because we do bring our yes. ideas of the character right. to the material, and that's what we're bringing to into into the room with us. So right. there's even a little a little bit of that. It's and just that is so we can't welcome. we can't go in and be like, I brought my twin brother because I thought that <laughs> you know that's where there is a sort of a, there is a sort of line there. Wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if it was split screen me? <laughs> that's the yeah. yeah. I, 
I, that I, might be. I know the writers in the room, but I have, a, I have a funnier idea. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. But you know, there's so there, there's a there's a there's there's a line there, but, but right. almost everything else that you said applies to yes acting as well. Yes. So I, yeah, that that's was great. You welcome the strength of a point of view. Um, you welcome. You know, there's a, it, it, having worked in multicam half hour um, a lot, which is a little hybrid. You know, it's a little theater because you have your opening night once a week. There's an audience and oh it's gosh. camera. Yeah. So, which is why I loved it because being a theater rat, I kind of uh, <laughs> had the opportunity to say this can be a TV show too. Yay! It's theater and it's TV. Yeah. It's the best of both worlds. You rely on sometimes the things that are behavioral. And I think that's a little bit of what you're talking about, that you tell the story, you know what the character is on the page, you know the story that has to be told, and you know the moment it needs to lead to next. But there are times when behaviorally, a friend of mine once called it white space acting, it's, it's what's in between those words, that behaviorally you can create things that do not derail the words, because those are very important mm-hmm. in terms of, it's like music, you have to play the notes in a half hour, you, you, you do. Um, they're there for a reason. They're, there are ryb- rhythms for a reason. But you have room to find moments behaviorally and create a character that is word. It can be word perfect, but bringing more dimension or your point of view or something that is behaviorally interesting to, to that character without changing a thing. Uh, that, that's so. beautiful, and I love your your friend's term of white space acting. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, white space or negative space yeah. acting. I mean, finding even a painter, like a visual artist, like they, you know, that's when you first are learning. You yeah. learn how to paint the negative space yeah. um, to define the, the, I guess, the flip, the yeah. positive space. You chisel so. the um, statue. <clears throat> the statue exists, and you're just chis- chiseling away the excess. Right. Right. Know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think Michelangelo said, you yes. know, he just chiseled away everything that wasn't David. Yeah, so... Um, fancy. Wow, you are fancy. <laughs> you are fancy. No, well, I, I love that. But I, I also think that that doesn't necessarily end at, uh, at, at half hour or end at multicam at all. At all. Like, at, oh, I'm thinking about... I'm thinking about drama. I'm thinking everything. about theater. I'm thinking about everything. Everything. And, and really, that's a, that's a really interesting way to... It's something we talk about on the podcast a lot, which is bringing who you are, your authentic self, to yes. the room. Yes. And what a great place to put it is yes. in the white space. Absolutely. Because the words are the words, and you, you're there to serve the story, you're there to serve the script. Yeah. And then you have your quirky self yes. <laughs> in between the lines, so to speak. Absolutely. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't alter the pace, um, it, it, or if it does but it's appropriate, or it feels right, <clears throat> or mm-hmm. it works... It really adds uh, a lot of texture to, particularly in episodic, where where there is just it's it's a massive amount of material to cover in a season of particularly an hour episode, um, and it really adds more texture yeah. than might not have been. It's certainly a blueprint sometimes a role on a page for that, but it won't spell it out perhaps. And, and, and they are wide open to interpretation yeah. of what this role might be to tell the story. Story first. Story first. But that can come in a way that's surprising even to sometimes writers yeah, I was gonna and say, directors and, and producers. That's in the actually the, next, the very next yeah. thing I was going to say is how, how often a producer, writer, director doesn't even know what they want until you show it to them. Yeah. 
and and, and it, you know hap- it happens in that white space, and then all of a sudden the character is you. You are yes. the character. You're bringing you know that unique brand, and then they're like, oh, that's interesting, and yes, we want that, and okay, let now let's go and expand this. You have you have so many. It's almost fairy tale to people who. who haven't had this t- type of opportunity, but you hear stories of people going in for you know a one a one episode guest star that eventually turns into like a series regular Absolutely. because they're like oh my god whatever you know whatever this person is doing with this it is growing and we can use this we can mine this for more gold. Well, two things. One is by the way, no small parts because you don't even have to have a large role in that episode for it to you can you can something can happen in a moment that just that that you're just compelled to want to follow someone in a moment in three lines in one scene and it it can happen it can happen it does happen so so there's that and then there's also the part where in a room there are times when you say you you, you come in sometimes the language changes from that's that was a strong reading that was an intelligent reading that was a really great reading to that's the character mm. that's that's the guy that's the woman that's it so it changes um, there's also something I just wanted to mention as well because it's it's along the lines of this is that there, there is also a when you see work that you feel somehow you, you start an audition and there might be times when you still feel like you're watching an actor try and find it or you're and nerves we know I, it, most people We'll, we'll have a sense that, okay, if there are nerves, let's shake them out and, and let's try this again. Or, or there may not be time to really mm. do that. Mm-hmm. It depends. It depends. <laughs> you might not take the time to work and work and work with one actor when another actor has come in and simply effortlessly seemed it. Sure. So it's a little bit on a curve. That's, that's a little bit what you're dealing with in terms of perspective. When you say you have a session and there's 10 actors and someone simply without any note adjustment it's simply right and so to to really see if it could be right also for actors one through nine is is sometimes just due to time is not going to probably be um possible or it is it just again depends depends yes so um But uh, but it's when you see, watch. There's time times when you watch work in a room, and there's this, or when you see a play, or when you watch a movie, and you know there's a, there's a whoosh. You just go, oh, I don't have to worry. I'm not worried about these the the actual joke, you know, landing. I'm not worried about a moment if you stumble I'm not I just don't worry you you are embodying this and I'm losing myself in it and I don't care if you fell the line I don't it didn't matter it just you know with multicam yes you might go back so that you get a little bit more of an attack on what might be just simply structurally and um, technically you know a joke Mm -hmm. and so there's there's that but um, but a lot of times there's just this whoosh of oh not worried I'm just gonna follow you Hmm. that's the feeling you get like I'm just following you oh I'm in good hands oh it's right this is fun it's an and and um, 
I get that same thing when you see a play and you start out and you're just still you're still edgy in the beginning. You know, you're still going. I am not sure where I'm being told to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not with it yet. I'm not. I'm not comfortable. If it is, you know, if it's a mixed effort when you go see something, what you really want to do is sit down and from the moment lose yourself in someone. Mm-hmm. A little bit of even on every level, even on a network test level, it, there's a little bit. I, I remember thinking one day when it's it's yes, it's business, and yes, it you might have it be a formality to it, but there's a certain element of of everybody being on the carpet in kindergarten saying, "Tell me a story." Just sitting on the carpet, listening to that teacher tell them a story that you're really willing, no matter who you are, to let go of judgment and just hear the story. And and the storyteller is so important. That's what the actors are, the storytellers. So it's so important. Um, like a teacher in, you know, kindergarten, that... That can be an engaging, someone who's engaging, or someone that is not is not giving you all the imagery, you know, of, of the story. So, and you do, you you cut right back to that. No matter where you are, you're sitting in an office or you're in in some high tower. It's the same thing. That feeling. It's tell me a story, hmm. and you're willing to let go of you know the, the the aspect to it that might be from an actor's point of view, the sizing up of what I'm doing here mm. it, it it's that's a distraction just think of it as you're going in to tell a story tell a story yeah. and there and everybody's sitting on a carpet <laughs> that's what I think or a couch um, <laughs> or, I, a, or a cold office with yeah. glaring fluorescence <laughs> and, and phones ringing I'm gonna, I am going to turn every office into a kindergarten classroom <laughs> from this point forward <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back to the part after the interview, or rather, welcome to the part after AJ's interview. <laughs> um, yeah, man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I forgot to mention before we started that we were recording in what essentially amounted to a... Uh, like a coffee shop it was the same awesome it was the same place this this business floor at the hotel where i recorded that one episode from yeah. where recording on my phone because um, i just finished up with her but um so there's a bit of a back a bit of background noise but i just loved i just i just love this interview i mean she's such a nice person and 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 just so caring you know she even talks about in the interview how she she got her way. She worked her way up to a sort of a corporate level casting job, you know, where she was. She had a lot of power and was making a lot of money, and and she didn't like it because she wasn't actually working with actors anymore. Hmm. Kick ass, ass um, kickery, awesome dude. What's match. your uh, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is a hat tip to Ben, who we seem to reference more than anybody else on this show ever. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, but uh, in one of our mastermind meetings, he talked about we were talking about meditation. It seems to be a thing, kind of in the zeitgeist lately, as people are like, "I need to unplug and just meditate," and it's something I need to do. I need to do, and so many people cite time as 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 an obstacle and as the as the kind of common knowledge among frequent meditators goes. Uh, when you don't have time to meditate, is when you most need to do it. Um, and he suggested this app. 
called Calm, uh, C-A-L-M. And it's weird because on the app, they constantly reference it as calm.com. And I guess there's a website attached to it, but I just download the app. I've never actually been to the website. But it's these guided meditations, and you can unlock stuff. And if you want to upgrade to, like, the pro version, it's, like, 83 cents a month. You pay it yearly. It's 10 bucks a year. And, and I, I've just been using it kind of on and off uh, for the past few months. But I really started plugging in about every day about a week ago. And already I'm noticing just a huge shift in the way I kind of habitually unconsciously respond to uh diversity or stressful situations around work around you know roommates around whatever it is and i i just find that i'm much kind of more patient and calm and forgiving (laughs) about it all and i don't think it's a coincidence that i just started spending 10 15 minutes a day with these guided relaxation kind of things just paying attention to my breath letting thoughts come and go and um, the app is just, in that sense, totally priceless. And it's a free app that you can, like I said, upgrade if you want to you know, go to the paid version, which I think is totally worth it. And um, it's made a big difference in my life so far. So calm.com, which I suppose is a website as well as an app. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, uh, 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 Jasmine actually has this app on, I think, probably from... Ben's recommendation as well on her phone, and um, it's it, it. It was funny when I saw that this was your pick of the week because <clears throat> we actually tried to use it last night, and um, she hasn't tried to use it since getting her new iPhone, and so uh, she needs to figure out how to get her subscription, like basically restore purchases on her new phone, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> We were about to go to bed, and she's trying to figure it out, and she's like getting really frustrated, and she's like, "Well, I'm not very calm." <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, I don't know if you had to be there for that one, but you laughed. Oh, so that's good. good but I, well, I know jazz, and that's funny, man. Yeah, it was. It was. It was hilarious. That's cool. So, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week. Well, actually, I changed it mid episode. I'm going to save the one that was going to be my pick of the week for next week. Because I was inspired, actually, listening to, uh, well, in our conversation about uh, Mike Bauer's email. This week, I went to, Jasmine and I attended a a live stand-up comedy show combined yeah. with a uh, short film. I saw your Facebook update about this. It looks really interesting. Yeah, so this this stand-up comic who is actually a friend of the guys from Happy Little Guillotine, uh, Yuri Baranovsky, a a podcast alumni, uh, they all sort of know each other because I guess Kevin, uh, his name's Kevin Avery, Kevin was from the Bay Area as well. He came to L.A. and this, this short film that he created is sort of a nod to actual experiences where he, he was not getting cast in roles because he wasn't black enough basically <laughs> which is not only an experience that i've had you just have it, to laugh at that man it's like right? what it's, what does so, that even mean it's so ridiculous but um it, it's it's actually an experience that i've had in terms of being ethnically ambiguous and and having you know casting people or, or producers be like oh you know he looks ethnic but not ethnic enough for what we're looking for <sighs> it's so frustrating but so he created this short film called thugs the musical and it's 
a total lampoon of this whole idea where he basically writes, produces, directs, and stars in a musical about really thuggish gangsters, and they sing you know these silly songs about how they're gonna bust a cap in people's ass it's, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny and 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 such a great way of of responding to these experiences that he that he's had and 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 such a great inspiration for for our listeners in oh, terms I love of it diy stuff um you can watch a preview for free on the on the website but it's a it's i think it's like a 15 minute short film and it's a dollar on the website oh it's sweet totally it's totally worth it I, I would recommend it. Uh, I like this pick because anybody can actually go and, and, and see it because it's just on the website. So thugsthemusical.com is actually the website. Sweet. And I would definitely recommend watching the movie. Um, Margaret Cho is in it. David Allen Greer is in it. Oh, wow. Uh, nice. Kevin, uh, Julian Vance, for those of you who follow sort of the, the, the stand-up comedy scene. Yeah, it's, it's really well done really well done and I, I was i was very impressed and it was cool meeting him and and hearing his stories and stuff so it's my 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 pick of the week how perfect too <laughs> given uh the mike's email from earlier in the episode and, i know it just yeah. uh it just all seemed to come together so yeah. uh i really dug that what a brilliant move on the, on uh, kevin you said his name was mm-hmm. what a brilliant kevin. move on his part yeah mm-hmm. Awesome, dude. All right, so thugsthemusical.com, calm.com, uh, no listener pick of the week this week.com, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but it's okay. We understand y'all are busy and, you know, can't, you know, share the love with the world, but you should. Um, so, yeah, busy for us. Shoot us an email at uh, insideactingpodcast at gmail.com with something that's been rocking your world, and we'll be sure to feature it on an upcoming episode. It doesn't have to be acting or entertainment industry related, or even like productivity or, you know, life hack related. It could just be something kind of fun or cool. Um, but uh, send it our way, and we'll make sure to feature it and give you a shout out and, and get it out to the world. We do want to thank uh, a new patron that we, uh, that we got this week. His name is Logan Nelson. Thank you so much, Logan, for jumping on board and supporting the show. It's really great to have patrons uh, because then we can kind of start to budget for some of the upgrades we're, we're working on. And we can get an idea and start making timelines and things like that. So it's really, really supportive. Uh, not to mention, it just it just keeps the show going, man. You know, like we say all the time, it's not free to produce the show. Uh, so having support from people like you, Logan is really, really awesome. Don't forget to send us a bio, a mini bio, uh, as well as links to your relevant websites and a headshot so we can slap it up on our patron page. Uh, we've, we, I think we've sent you an email about that, so uh, just check it out and, and uh, shoot it back to us. Awesome. Yes, indeed. And uh, speaking of patrons... Speaking of patrons, right? Yeah, I knew yeah. that was going to be the segue. <laughs> yeah. Andy Goldberg, who we both have met on... Uh, uh, at least one occasion. I, th- I feel like you've met him more often than I have. Um, Maybe I don't know. I think I've... or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I think I've I think I've hung out with him at tweet ups. Other than the uh, we met him, we both ended up meeting him at the one hundred one hundredth episode. Yeah, yeah. Super cool guy, man. It was it was really cool too to meet him. He, he, I remember him telling us that he would you know he was taking these walks or going on jogs, you know, down on Venice Beach, and he he had listened to every single episode at that point and uh he just kind of told us the, the role the show has played on, on his journey as an artist and an actor and a creative person and 
uh, just what a great guy. And I think he told us his goal uh, was to be, uh, I guess, develop his career to the point where he, we, he, we, we would interview him on the show or something along those lines. But, <laughs> you know, extremely flattering. Uh, but Andy says um, that he's a lifelong actor. He, he took a short two and a half decade break. Um, after high school, he did what, quote-unquote, they all told him he was supposed to do, got married, went into business, raised a family. And then 25 years later, he returned to his first love acting and moved to L.A. in 2011 with no training, no contacts, no clue. Sound familiar? Uh, he only had his dream, and he's been figuring it out ever since and is grateful to live it every day. And he's really been kicking ass, I have to say. Um, I, I you know, follow him on Facebook and stuff, and he's been he's been cranking, man. Yeah, I see an update from him from from you know at least on a weekly basis where he he has booked something or has some kind of opportunity or project in the works and yeah yeah he's, he's working he, it. he's got the drive he's got the work ethic he's got the persistence he's got a very specific type and look and he plays to it perfectly um, and with all the success and momentum he's got I think we'll be hearing some big news from him soon so anybody interested uh, he's actually was. Um, He's in, a, sh- in a, a film that's at Cannes right now, 2014 Cannes. So uh, check him out and his work at andymgoldberg.com. And there's a link to that uh, on our website as well. But andymgoldberg.com. Give him some love because he rocks and has been supporting us uh, for a long time. And uh, Andy, we love you, man. Keep up the inspiring work. And that is our patron yes. of the week. Patron of the week. All right, that does it for episode 148, or 148, (laughs) and we're back. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so um, you guys know how to get in touch with us. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Actor Rated. We love reviews. We love shout-outs. We love just plain old-fashioned hellos. Uh, We love love. We we love love. Who doesn't love love? (laughs) Um. Probably some serial killers or something out there, but you know, we don't we don't talk about that. Uh, um, what was I going to say? Oh, email. Shoot us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail dot com. We got some feedback that um, that perhaps uh, our email is not just like a way to contact us is not prominently displayed on the website. So uh, look for an easy way to contact us on our website in another way aside from our voicemail line. Um, which you can see on our website very prominently, but that's uh, 213-2-ACTORS, 213-222-8677. For our production coordinator, Jen, for our technical producer, Cesar, and for myself, Trevor Algott, take it away, AJ. (laughs) I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next next week, next time. And in the meantime, mix it up, even if it means getting messy. This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that, Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com download.